0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: Chris Van Vliet! All right, here we go, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CVV, Chris Van Fleet. I appreciate you spending some time with us here in Las Vegas, here inside the beautiful Blue Wire Studios at the Wynn Las Vegas. You know, I'm not in Vegas. Well, I guess I'm here pretty often. I'm here every two weeks. But I feel like every time we do an interview here, it's just, it's so good. And today, of course, is no different because I always love sitting down and chopping it up with fellow interviewers. And if you've ever watched a UFC video or an MMA interview on YouTube, there's a really good chance you've either seen the Schmo or his videos have been shown to you, like in the suggested videos. I mean, he's pretty easy to recognize with his signature yellow sunglasses. I, I gotta say, even though the Schmo is a character that David Schmollensen plays, he asks some great questions on the Schmo and the Pro. and. I just love how people that he's interviewing really open up to him in a way that they, they don't with other interviewers. Check him out on social media. He's at theshmo 312 Check out his website, theshmo 312com I like how his bio says that he's a much-needed breath of fresh air in sports journalism. Hmm. If you're not following me already, you can find me at Chris ChrisFamFleet. And if it's your first time here, I hope that you like what you hear enough to want to subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. And perhaps, if that's Apple Podcasts, perhaps you may want to leave a review like this one. Papa Pui writes, this dude is awesome. Chris Van Vliet has one of the best podcasts to listen to while I'm at work, and I get some more insight on wrestlers that I'm a huge fan of. Plus, I just met him, and he's even more awesome in person. Keep up the great work. Keep listening. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, Papa Pooey. I was at the Squared Circle Expo in Indianapolis this weekend. So great meeting all of you guys, including Papa Pui. And I should mention, since we're talking about this, that I'll be at the Baltimore Celeb Fest 4 with MCW Pro Wrestling on May 15th. So if you live in that area, it'd be awesome if you came out and said hello. The lineup, the lineup stacked. The Hardy Boys, the New Age Outlaws, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti. Nick Aldis, that's just to name a few. So maybe while we're there, maybe we'll do an interview or two or seven. Who knows? But I read one review from Apple Podcasts on every single episode. It's my way to say thank you for being on this journey with me. Hey, if you're a Spotify listener, Spotify has ratings now. So perhaps you would consider going in there and clicking on the stars. That'd be awesome. All right, let's dive into this. Please welcome The schmo. In this situation, does this make me the pro? 100%. The schmo and the pro? I would say so. Sure.
2: Thank you so much for coming by. Hey, thanks for stopping me in WrestleCon. We yeah. made eye contact. Actually, you came up to me. I did. And uh, you introduced yourself. I'm, I was familiar with you. You're familiar with me. And um, I'm glad we're here in person now, less than a week later.
0: Well, look, it's, it's hard to not notice you, I think, when you're at any of these events. Like, you stand out so much. They, that, that's, that's the whole allure of, of the schmo, I feel like. Definitely, I think it was very influential in the
2: branding decisions for me to wear something that would be different to stand out. I tell people all the time a little bit of Craig Sager meets Rodney Dangerfield, sports first, comedy <laughs> second. A lot of influences in the attire, the persona, um, but also a lot from the '90s and the World Wrestling Federation at the time. No longer that; it's the WW yeah. World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, was watching that a lot as a kid and getting a
0: lot of influences from that this is going to be the first time a lot of people are seeing you or hearing you as as, as david right now so yeah. like perhaps you could introduce yourself because they only know the schmo yeah <laughs> um i grew up in a suburb outside of chicago buffalo grove
2: illinois in the 90s i'm a 90s child favorite sport was sport was basketball my childhood idol was michael jordan mm. i mean two three Pete's greatest basketball player of all time to me the greatest i consider him the greatest athlete most influential athlete of all time because when i think of the word goat the goat of goats you know tom brady obviously the nfl tiger woods you think of golf you you, wayne gretzky wayne gretzky for hockey obviously mr canadian over here Canadian, yeah but i think of jordan and um i grew up playing sports i grew up loving sports being outside of chicago and when i realized the dream of being professional basketball player was dead sometime in high school Six foot nothing white guy with limited hops wasn't going to make it to the next level. I kind of always knew the best, next best thing would be talking about sports and kind of led me to this crazy journey I'm on today.
0: And the journey is pretty crazy because there's a lot of people that are doing, I would say more like what I'm doing, where you're having these conversations or you're reporting. You've, you've created this character. So where did this begin? And also like, how many versions did you go through till you came up with this version of the schmo? Interesting. Well, I would say that the this the version of the schmo, the original version of the schmo always lives
2: on, but the schmo itself has kind of evolved throughout time. You always have to adapt. You don't adapt, you die. Change is inevitable. You have to be a part of it. Um. So I'm a goof. I was always a class clown. I would always make jokes. I'd always get in trouble. I mean, what you see is the schmo is kind of really an extension of my characters myself. I could just get away with doing a lot more crazier stuff when I put those yellow glasses on. But uh, I grew up doing impressions. Like, I have a really good Borat impression. I would do Austin Powers. Well, I would just... Come on, you got
0: to give it to him Hello,
2: my name is Borat, and I come to the US of to meet with you and sit in the studio at this black tables here. I like this very nice, how much? Um, Austin Powers? Austin Well, now I have to get... All right, baby, now, are we going to shack now or shack later, baby? Yeah. We're here in Las Vegas at the Blue Wire Studios. Chris, you're doing a great job talking to me. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I, I haven't done that in years, but it's uh, great. I, and just different impressions. I, I, I don't want to start offending different groups of people, but I, I just changed my voice a little bit. And I've never had a voice coach or anything like that, but just I'm a goofball. And I just like, I'm, I'm not afraid of what other people think of me. And I would just go out and do these types of things. But uh, the Schmo character itself, The inception of it, 2015, uh, another story of me goofing around with my roommates uh, in Los Angeles where I was living at the time. My buddy had these crazy pair of vintage yellow glasses, uh, put on a turtleneck and a blazer, uh, You a few drinks, maybe a few puffs of marijuana, who knows, and one thing led to another. But the idea of the character was always there, but what the character looked like kind of was born from just moments like that beginning in 2015.
0: Did you like ever get worried that when you took on this character and took on this persona that you wouldn't be taken seriously? I think at that point, I just stopped caring. No one took,
2: no one gave David Schmolten a chance. I wanted to go the traditional broadcasting route. Then when I graduated the University of Arizona in 2012, you know, I, I sent my tapes out to over hundred stations. I drove to Yuma, Arizona. I would drive to places, drop these off at the directors, not hear anything back. And um, when I moved out to California in 20, end of 2012, beginning of 2013, Fox Sports One was starting up, the NFL Network. Um, I was either New York or California. I knew their two largest markets. And I'm like, look, I might not get directly on camera right away, but I will work as a production assistant. I'll edit. I'll do whatever I can to get my foot in the door. And I think too many people are afraid to take a step sideways or take a step backwards in order to take... Uh, two steps forward or whatever you have to do. And I was willing to grind in my 20s and do whatever it took. So I think a culmination of accumulation of so many different factors of people rejecting me and not giving me a choice. I kind of created the character to mock the system, say, look, you don't want to give David Schmoltz a chance. Well, I could do it better than the people you have in the position. yet I'll do it in character. And that was my mindset. So
0: did you do interviews
2: before, like when you were when you yes. weren't the Schmo? Yes. Um, we were talking a little bit off air about Having big interviews as David Schmolton, um, my last job in corporate America, I worked for USA Today. Uh, they had hired me as a publisher account manager to consult sports websites, but I kind of took that job just to make and get an in to become friends with the editors and become friends with the other journalists to take on roles and responsibilities here and there. I was getting, I was calling up SIDs. I was I was doing college basketball previews for the for the magazine. I was covering the Nike Elite Eleven football camps. Uh, whatever I could get my hands on. I did press junkets. Uh, we were just talking about entertainment. Yeah. Um, Gary Ullman was someone I interviewed. Kevin Costner, I was able to interview. I
0: wonder if we were at the same press junkets together.
2: It was the only one I ever covered. Which movie was it? What? Mo- it was a Kevin Costner movie around 2015 or 16. I love
0: that it's the only movie junket you ever did and you don't even know what movie it was. Oh my God. That is fantastic. Well, well
2: here's the thing. Here's the thing about me. I really don't watch TV. I'm a diehard sports nerd. Like I literally, what I consume is sports and business, and literally my life is just nonstop work and work and work. I used to know the name of that, but it's just now I got so many other things going to my brain. It might come to me.
0: You know what? We we have this amazing thing called the internet. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna look this up here to see. Okay. Um, (laughs) Then what was the first interview as the schmo? The first interview, the schmo. Um, actually,
2: I believe it was Rick Neuheisel. I met him on the Southwest airline flight. I had the glasses but
0: they were criminal. Does that sound right? I don't think it was. Actually, it might've been criminal. (laughs) It sounds about right. (laughs) I don't even. 2016 action thriller. If Gary Oldman's in it, CIA agent, Bill Pope was Ryan Reynolds also in it. Uh, If Gary, if
2: Gary Oldman was in it. Okay. That's the movie. (laughs) It's criminal. That was the movie. Um, Ryan Reynolds wasn't at the junket. I don't believe, or at least I wasn't on the list for that part. Um, So, the first interview was Rick Neuheisel, met him on the Southwest Airlines flight. I, he had just, he was college football analyst for CBS Sports, former college football coach for the Huskies, for the UCLA Bruins. Saw him on the flight, told him what I was doing because I kind of started doing my schmo schtick also while I was working for USA Today. I had them build a set for me and, and I started getting a part of the car wash. Uh, athletes would come into Fox Sports, ESPN, Los yeah. Angeles. Then they come see NFL Network, and then they come see the Schmo at the USA Today Studios over there. Um, but, yeah, I went to his living room. He played his guitar, and that was the first one. But then the first athlete I brought for the Schmo and the Pro in that USA Today Studios, yellow glasses, everything, Jerry Harrison Jr.
0: Wow. These are great. Do people ever
2: compare what you're
0: doing to Nardwar? I get that a lot. Recent
2: um, After I created the character, um, I think I first heard it. People in MMA saying, oh, you're just an MMA version of Nardwar. And I start getting really offended by this kind of stuff. And then I looked at what he does. And I could see why from just a very basic level people say that because he's a character. I don't know if it's his real voice or not, but he does it in music. But for me, I do this in sports. I had no idea who he was when I created the character. My influences are from the Chicago Second City legends where I grew up, the John Belushi's. The Chris Farleys, the Mike Myers who created Austin Powers, right? Those yeah. are the influences I have. And when I say Craig Sager meets Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. like I have so much respect for old school stand up comedians. And just being an overall goofball myself, like I feel like I took just a flair of my personality. And and I feel like it's a lot of people's childhood dreams to be able to have conversations that are free flowing where they can kind of say whatever they want. I feel like the schmo's my way of masking that.
0: Did you ever, like, if these were your influences, did you ever think about getting into stand up? I think it'd be, I'd be doing myself a complete disservice
2: if at one point I never did stand up. I'm 100% going to do stand up at one point, probably sooner than later. Um, As you or as the schmo? It's got to be both, or at least the schmo for sure. I mean, I have too many good stories, but yeah, stand up is a 100% on the cards.
0: I, I feel like in the world that we're in here, broadcasting, podcasting, YouTubing, content creation, whatever you want to call it, when you can add that other layer on there of what, what is comedy, whatever it is, comedy, or being on a reality show or hosting a TV show that like takes you to another level. For
2: sure. And you know, and it's funny you mentioned that, taking you to another level, because no one wants to be stagnant. Like I didn't, I didn't create the schmo to just be associated as an MMA journalist. In fact, like MMA wasn't the first sport I covered as the yeah. schmo. In fact, if you look at combat sports, boxing, I started interviewing boxers before mixed martial arts, mixed martial artists, um, and even NFL, NBA. Like the schmo's an entertainer. I just love sports, but there's no limit. Like it's called the schmo and the pro. Everybody's a pro. Like right now,
0: you're the pro in this situation. I'm still only because I'm sitting on this side of the camera. That's the <laughs> only. If you sat over here, you'd be the pro. That's how it works.
2: Yeah, and it's um, you know, I I because I've been able to interview some entertainers too, like Snoop Dogg was someone that was on my bucket list, and Ice Cube I've interviewed too. Yeah, going into that musician world, but I mean, it's funny because I interviewed Snoop Dogg. We're talking about Triller and Fight Club and Jake Paul. I interview Ice Cube. We're talking about the Big Three, so we're talking basketball. But those are
0: just my interests. It's interesting because a lot of people look at you and assume that you're just an MMA journalist and you're right. Like you started with a basketball and football. Yeah. And, and so
2: I mentioned Rick Neuheisel, that's football. Mm-hmm. Jerry Harrison Jr. First in series of Schmo, that's major league
0: baseball. Yeah. So I think that this is, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of happening to me too, where like I've interviewed a lot of wrestlers and then people go, oh, you just interview wrestlers. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. I've also interviewed all these other people from different walks of entertainment. Who's on the bucket list for you now? It's Michael Jordan. Okay. We mentioned that earlier. Okay. Who's on the UFC bucket list?
2: The, only, the only UFC fighter that I have not interviewed that um, 100% is on the bucket list is, for some reason, it's Conor McGregor. Why hasn't this happened? I have conspiracy theories in and out, but inevitably it's going to happen. It took some time for me to be able to interview Khabib. Mm-hmm. It took time. It didn't happen right away. He had to retire first, but I ended up <laughs> retiring, or, retiring. I ended up interviewing Khabib. Um, so everything in life is timing. A lot of things in my life have never happened on my time, never when I want it, but good things happen to those that are patient and be ready for the unexpected. But when the unexpected comes, you better damn be ready. You've had exchanges with Connor at like press conferences. Yes. So I don't count those, but he I've definitely, I, I've those. definitely asked him questions. He knows who I
0: am. There's no doubt about it. Let me ask you this. We know that these last two years have been kind of strange with interviews. Yeah. And. You know, I had to resort to doing Zoom interviews, which I'd never done before. Every interview, I'd flown to the person and done them in person. And I I got into an interesting discussion with my friend. Like, if you did a Zoom interview with somebody, did you actually meet them? And I was saying no, and he was saying yes. And I think that the truth is maybe possibly somewhere in the middle there.
2: Definitely at least somewhere in the middle there, because then when you eventually meet that person you did a Zoom interview with, uh, then it's like you've already met them before and talked to them before. And ironically, that just happened to me this past weekend in Dallas. So the Venezuelan Vixen, you know, the Bantamweight champion for the UFC, um, she and I have done Zoom interviews before. And obviously I spoke to her in person before press conference, but I've never interviewed on camera on the Schmo and the Pro Mm. until this past weekend. So it's like we were saying, yeah, I've done a Schmo and the Pro with you, but do those count? Does this count? But we've had the familiarity because we had already done it before. So to your
0: point, It's got to count for
2: something, maybe at least a halfway there.
0: Yeah, but inevitably, you meet the person, you give them a hug, and they go, it's so good to finally meet you in person. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So maybe the other one didn't really count. But as
2: you know, I mean, as we sit here and you've done plenty of Zoom interviews, nothing beats an in-person sit down face-to-face.
0: Oh, nothing. Nothing beats being able to feel someone's energy, shake their hand, give them a hug. As good as technology is, and I'm so grateful that what happened over the last two years happened in this era of technology, Mm. because I feel like we would have been, we would have felt a lot more alone if it had happened in the 90s or 80s or any time before then. At the end of the day, though, you're still looking at a two dimensional representation on a screen of a three dimensional being. Yeah. And what's going to happen when
2: the way we look at it now ends up being completely computerized? 3D figures, like, I, I don't know, I, augmentation with, with reality with the glasses and everything, the metaverse. Yeah. Who knows where interviewing's gonna go from a virtual standpoint, yeah. but I, I'm not gonna sit here and put a cap on it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Did you ever feel like you had to win fans over when you started with this? Because I can imagine there were people at first that just thought this was a shtick and they oh, didn't like it. Oh, for sure. And there's still people that think it's a
2: shtick and don't like it, but maybe they don't say Well, it is a shtick. They just... It is a shtick, yeah. Yeah. There's some people, it's not their cup of tea. But for me, what matters most is the athletes. Do I have the athletes' respect? Because if you have the athletes' respect, you're going to get the fans. Because the athletes are respected by the fans. The fans look up to the athletes, which me, myself, at my core, I'm a fan. That's why I feel like my questions are speaking in the words, in the voice of the fans. Not necessarily in the voice, because I'm (laughs) doing the schmo shtick, but... I know I feel like I have a really good pulse of what the community wants to hear from the subject because I'm such a diehard sports fan at root, like, and that's never going to change. So I know if I can do my shtick in a way to have, always maintain the integrity of sport, respect of the athletes, the fans will come.
0: Yeah, and the thing that I love about what you do is there's a lot of reporters and there's a lot of journalists who are asking questions in order to get a headline. Yes. I love that your questions come from like a general place of curiosity. 100%. That you as a fan are genuinely curious and you want to know what the answer is. For sure.
2: And then the headlines will come because Mm -hmm. I I think I know what they're going to say. And these other outlets, the other journalists, their sites end up taking the videos and making articles and making money. So everybody's making money off it. No problem at all. It feeds the ecosystem. Most importantly, it grows the sport. Fastest growing sport in the world. Absolutely. From the mixed martial arts standpoint. But um, yeah, I, I think that from the standpoint of asking the right questions to me i'm not worried about it i'm i, I if, if i get caught up worrying about what other people are thinking other people are doing i'm not focusing on myself and what good are you if you're not trying to better
0: yourself each day yeah what was your first ufc that you ever watched like i don't mean live i mean what was the first ever ufc event you watched so when i was in college i went to university of
2: arizona, to, university of arizona tucson arizona uh, my roommate at the time scott he was big into MMA and Dominic Cruz, obviously fighting a lot in the WEC from Tucson, having yeah. his gym in Tucson, roots. that's kind of like that era is what really got me stuck. They were on Spike TV and, st- yeah, and yeah. that of nature. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in the early uh, 2010s decade, I don't even know how to clip. What, what, what do we call that? The what, 2010s? The 2010s. The early 2010s. We're in the
0: roaring 20s now. <laughs> yeah, roaring. <laughs> they're, 20s. roaring yeah. Oh, they're roaring. They're roaring. can't believe that was yeah. a century
2: ago now. Um uh, behind behind where I lived in Los Angeles, there's this bar called Q's and they would always put on the fights and events. And Chris Wyman, I remember, was on the come up. He had the collision course with Anderson Silva. Ronda Rousey, come from Strike Force, come to the come to UFC. I'd run into her running the Santa Monica stairs, and my first reaction was just give her this huge hug and this huge come up. And I was watching all the fights in those 2010s, like religiously, but it all started from what I was doing from 2008 to 2012. That was when I was first introduced to it. But then, by 2013 through 2017, I was just really watching it from a fan standpoint. You know, I'm mm. working in corporate America, yeah. focusing on whatever I can in the sports world, primarily from the NFL and the NBA basis because those are the two largest sports in this country yeah. and in the United States, where, where you can monetize and biggest fandom. And I was a huge fan of those sports too. Um, but uh, I would say 2013 through 2017, I wouldn't miss
0: pay-per-views. That was when it really started. I, I, th- and this like. We're, we're around the same age. I'm a few years older than you, but like, I remember going to Blockbuster. Mm. I was a huge wrestling fan. And then I heard that there was this thing called the Ultimate Fighting Championship where like people were actually fighting with, you know, quote unquote, no rules. We're going to Blockbuster and look at looking at VHSs of UFC 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, looking on the back and being like, oh, wow, that guy who looks really strong is fighting that guy who looks really weak. Let's buy this VHS.
2: It's crazy how
0: far this sport's grown. So in such
2: a short period of time, too. It's like thirty years old, yeah, and fastest growing sport right now. And just think about—and I say this to people all the time when we're covering people I'm close with. It's like think about where the NFL was, the NBA was, Major League Baseball by year thirty, and oh. where they are now. They and were look like where the UFC. Is. They were like leather helmets still. Exactly. Yeah. And look where we are now, and look where it continues to grow. Like yeah. back when we first started watching this sport, fighters didn't have a dedicated gym. Like, there was no, like, American top team where you have your jiu-jitsu, your wrestling, your yeah. biking, or boxing. Uh, you have to go to all these different gyms to get the different disciplines. Now you have these gyms like Sanford MMA, American top team, Extreme Couture, you name it. Um, I don't want to leave any names out, so I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Um, but they have the one-stop shop for pretty much everything, and that's why you're seeing the evolution of this sport, partially why you're seeing the evolution of the sport.
0: Well, I remember it was probably about 10 years ago with rory mcdonald when they were like this is the first ever uh, athlete who trained as a mixed martial artist because everybody else came from a discipline right. they were a wrestler who learned how to punch or they were a boxer who learned how to wrestle and then rory mcdonald came in whenever he made his debut i think it was like 19 and they went oh this is like a completely different athlete now yeah and he's a beast he is a beast so walk me through your about pretend that I'm a, a an athlete and you're about to interview me and I've never met you before. What does the like the the pre-conversation go? Great go? question.
2: I try to keep it as short as possible cuz I don't want to give it away. I actually pray and hope that these people don't know me. And as as I get more popular they know me beforehand, but when the glasses are on, that's when I'm in character. When they're off, I'm not I'm not in character. That's the only way I can keep my sanity. <laughs> but I all I try to say is You're the pro. When I put these on, you're the pro. I'm the schmo. That's it? Are you ready to go?
0: That's it. That's it. It all rhymes, too. Are you ready to go?
2: I I, I added the are you ready to go thing because sometimes they say this sometimes I don't, but literally it's built on the premise of when I put these glasses on, you're the pro. I'm the schmo. And that's all I want to say. I want to say as little as possible to them. And if they want to talk after the interview, we could talk after the interview. But I want to get the best out of them and catch them completely off guard because that's the thing is, you know. When people saw my shtick for the first time too, they just thought it was just another prankster, just another version of a barstool sports where you're just making fun of everyone and he doesn't know anything about it. But It's like, no, I'm a diehard fan. This is self-deprecation. So the joke's always going to be on me. It's never on the subject. And I'm going to ask him some layups. I call them layups. But that way the guard's down. I butter them up a little bit so I can really get them to give their raw, honest opinion on a hard-hitting subject that they wouldn't give to somebody else if their mm. approach wasn't the same. Mm. And you train yourself too, right? Or you in, have? In the past. Yeah, I can't do it as much anymore because with, with the smartphones and the notarons, when I go into gyms, people always want photos and stuff of that type of nature. And I feel like I have, I can parlay to a celebrity about one time. I'm ready to, to do about whether it's grappling, whether it's boxing, okay. or it's mixed martial arts. I want to do it with the correct dance partner Um, and I want to raise enough awareness and obviously I want to do this for a good cause. I want to do it for really good charity.
0: Are you going to call out Ariel Hawani again? I mean, I called him out. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't answer. I mean,
2: he could have handled it a lot better, but there is backstory behind it, which I've addressed too. But when I was coming up in 2018, my first, my first UFC event that I had covered, I met him. I went up to him just like how you went up to me, introduced myself to him. He said, you know, I'm a fan Been following the sport. Um, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I, I kind of sought out for him for advice you know, and everything. He's like, take down my email address. And I've been taking down email addresses for years. I'm a, I'm a relentless networker. For some reason that day, he gave me a wrong email address and I never forgot it. And that's the reason, that is the backstory of how I called him out like, throughout it. Yeah, and, and he was the right dance partner too. Like he intentionally gave you the wrong email? He says he doesn't. He says I miswrote it down, but listen, I'm in that position when I'm struggling, when I'm paying money out of my own pockets to cover these events and to go X, Y, and Z. Ah. I'm not in a position to write down the wrong email address. And, and someone in my shoes who's created his own path, built his own brand, has had no money or supports behind him to get to where I'm at and continue to grow. I don't miswrite emails. I don't get that stuff wrong. Ah. I would, I've sent hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of emails just trying to get in. So many rejections, so many blank stares. And for some reason, that email never went through. Then I confronted with him and I showed him that email, I remember in December of 2019. But all in all. What did he say? Nah, he, you know, he didn't want it. He doesn't want the fight. I mean, he's never, he'll never, he'll never on public say anything acknowledging the call out, the charity grappling. And then I moved it to basketball, to a charity basketball game. It was never about punching people in the face. It wasn't a, who's a stronger man type thing it was no let's do something we're two huge names in this sport let's do something for charity let's raise up the cause like like this is this is for the fans yeah. this is for the athletes this is a good thing mm. he never addressed that part it was always oh uh, he's trying to use my name to build off of and blah 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 He'd go down that route and it's like once he went down that route it's like i don't need i don't need you and never needed you yeah. never want to say that like my work speaks for itself and i'll prove it and that's why I just ended talking about it. Yeah. And
0: you're not just a character and you're not just someone who does these interviews. Like if someone's just seen you on their recommended page on YouTube, I feel like they're only seeing like just the tip of the iceberg. Here. Sure. What else is the rest of the iceberg here?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm an I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm really good with business. I'm really good with marketing. Like brand building is something I I obviously excel in because a lot of people can call themselves a social media expert, but Anyone could be an expert when you're taking the NFL or a huge property that's already got millions of fans and followers. But if you could start something from zero and scratch, have no push or money behind your back, no one, nobody to help you out except for yourself. And you believe in yourself to the point where you're willing to do whatever it takes. You invest your own money in yourself over and over again. You bet on yourself. That's what it's all about. You know, I'm, I'm a fearless. I'm a risk taker. Um, I just love to wake up every day, talk sports and make people laugh. That's the premise.
0: So there's the YouTube channel, which I think is kind of the gateway for a lot of people to find out about you. That's how I found out about you. What else? What else do you have then? Instagram,
2: TikTok, Twitter, everywhere for social media. The only one I really am not active on is Snapchat. I just feel uh, like I who needs feel, to be Snapchat. Instagram has all the features. TikTok's big on that. Instagram but, just keeps stealing from everybody. Yeah, They really do. Yeah. And Instagram is owned by Facebook, so that's all linked to it. But Instagram and YouTube are my two largest platforms. I still don't know what the hell I'm
0: doing on TikTok, but uh, it works, right? Then that's all that matters, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data What is sure. part of the business? Part of, of being the schmo. Schmo,
2: sure. So it's uh, part of the schmo. I'm wearing my schmozone t-shirt, or I do a weekly podcast with Helen, my better half. Well, people can go
0: listen to that wherever they're listening
2: to this. Yes, they there can listen to that wherever, and it's also on the YouTube channel. It's just not as often as the schmo and the pro, but the schmozone podcast. It's on the same channel. It's on the same channel. I talk like this, but obviously we always have an athlete or a guest, so people aren't always hearing the, the questions that you bring up because you know I just figured it will happen over time and. Here we are in a situation like this, where you're a good guy, you have a great platform, and we're having a conversation. And um, so the Schmo zone, and then about six months ago, I started the Triple C and Schmo show, which is its own YouTube channel with Olympic gold medalists and uh, double champ champ uh, and the UFC Henry Cejudo and the flyweight and bantamweight division, where I am the Schmo. I also do a Tuesday night trivia show with the Instagram page Fight Club, which is partially owned by Michael Bisping, and um, just MMA trivia questions. Um, I work with UFC Ultimate Sound, which it's called ACX, which is a music partner of the UFC, where I, it's a music segment where I interview um, the athletes, the MMA fighters, asking them about their walkout music, their favorite artists and stuff like that. Um, and I'm probably missing some other things, but I, I mean, I have my hands dipped in a lot of different levels there.
0: Sounds to me just from the outside looking in that you're spreading yourself pretty thin here. I'm starting to, but... Because um, a lot of this, you're not even including it. A lot of this includes a lot of travel. Oh, yeah. we travel. I travel pretty much at minimum twice a month. Like you and I, three days ago, were in Dallas. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And sometimes I could be a space cadet where I could forget these things. Yes, I would be in Jacksonville right now, but Henry Cejudo and I are going to be hosting a watch party on Millions.co Saturday evening. Uh, live reactions to the fights. Then we'll do our our show, the Triple scene and Shmo show afterwards. It's a post-fight breakdown of what just went on. Tolbe so we'll in Arizona. I'm probably going to go to San Jose next weekend for Bellator. There's a huge Bellator card, and Bellator they need to do better job promoting themselves. But you got AJ McKee, who's their number one pound for pound guy. He's got the rematch with Pitbull. You got Corey Anderson fighting Nemkov uh, for the light heavyweight championship. I mean, they they have some great matchups. They just got to market better. I'm going to cover that. Um, I know there's some boxing coming up here in Vegas. Top ranked Shakur Stevenson, Valdez. That'll be the 30th. So I'm not just UFC. I'm wherever, and
0: the NFL draft will be here at the end of the month. I'm going to do that as well. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Have you seen any like schmo imitators? Yeah. I And I, and I
2: think um, Helen laughs at me all the time, but there's a lot of, I'd say journalists that are trying to do a lot of things that I'm doing. And I, I think imitation is the best form of flattering. But if you're trying to copy someone, you're always going to be two steps behind them. Why would you want to be two steps? I've seen people trying to, I have this little schmo stash. And by the way, it took me 31 years of life before I could finally grow a facial hair. I try to do a little <laughs> schmo stash. Congratulations medication. on hitting puberty. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Some people, it's 13, 16. Others, it's 31. And I fall in that category. Um, so whether it's just growing a little stash or slicking their hair back, I started to grow this schmohawk out because everyone started doing the fade with shmohawk. the lines.
1: hawk.
0: In-
2: and I'm like, I got to switch up the, uh, the look a little bit. And then uh, I, I started noticing media members wearing turtlenecks. No one,
0: no media members were wearing turtlenecks and blazers when I was doing this. And nobody in ago. general is wearing a turtleneck, really. Unless you're The Rock in that classic photo. Yes. I'll,
2: the Rock, in, but he didn't have a blazer on and he wore a chain. The Schmo hasn't worn a chain yet. <laughs> and he, uh, but The Rock's the man. I love The Rock. The Rock's on the bucket list, too, for interviews.
0: He is the best. I, if, if you have the chance, it will be the greatest interview you've ever done. Amazing. Yeah. Goosebumps. Who has been the best reaction? If you don't tell people what's going to happen during the interview, what's been the best reaction when you just like go right into it? Sure.
2: I've had a priceless reaction from Tyson Fury. The first time I interviewed him, we were singing like Smash Mouth, All Star, because he's a great singer. He's one of the, the best interviews I've done, larger than life. Bill Walton, complete legend. You know, I'm a huge NBA nerd. So interviewing Bill Walton and getting his reaction and becoming friends with him over the years that is always very meaningful to me um the most viral youtube interview i have right now is yoel romero it was actually at the super bowl in miami radio row which i think by the way radio row is the best week for interviews in all professional sports you yeah. get
0: everybody's Everybody there. there everybody's that's there. my favorite are you getting credentialed for yourself i'm credentialed for the schmo zone that's incredible yeah wow and i think that this is also something that anybody that's listening to this or watching this right now that wants to like be in this position that you're in or that i'm in needs to realize you can build this up on your own correct but when i got
2: in i wasn't credentialed on the schmo zone i was credentialed under independent broadcasting station um that was they needed a sports reporter so i was filling in for them and that's how i was getting credentialed wow
0: I would ask you who your favorite interview's been, but I feel like that's like really cliche. So I'm gonna ask you, what's been your favorite sh moment? My favorite sh moment. And I love
2: how you put that, by the way, because I've had a lot of a lot of great sh moments. Um, Mike Tyson's probably up there. I recently was able to play basketball with Floyd Mayweather. That was that was a bucket list of sh-moments. Wow. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how I get invited to something like this. A lot of the best things in life just happen completely randomly. When I interviewed Bill Goldberg, because Goldberg, 173 you know, at one point, who's next? Yeah. When I had him meet me for the first time and grab my neck and throw me off, and when I said, who's next? You are schmo, and he pushes me off camera with it, holding my neck and everything. I thought that was fantastic because that was just a
0: piece of my childhood coming to life. Um, I'll give you a great Goldberg story. Yeah. I did an interview with him a few years ago and my friend is his manager. So we did this interview and we were at like a charity event. There was like a barbecue thing going on, like jumping castles. And I go to my friend, I go, do you think Bill would put me up in the jackhammer? It's like, I don't know. I'll ask him. Hey, Bill, would you put Chris up in the jackhammer? He's like, oh, sure. Comes over and like literally three seconds later, I'm up in the jackhammer. And I got hundreds of thousands, millions of views online. It's amazing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, those those
2: that's what makes it so much better like like when you could do things like that like you're reliving the best moments of your childhood yeah and then um the last one that also comes to mind is when i was throwing popcorn at (laughs) TO. and i think teo terrell owens is one of my with he to me i credit him in the early stages of the schmo he was the third guest i had on the schmo in the pro wow he's what put me on the map like in terms of oh nfl players like oh he had T O on i'll come on the show with him and stuff like that and to just throwing popcorn, doing the sit-ups and push-ups on the driveway. And we've had a great relationship ever since. Um, so that that's
0: definitely up there for some moments. What's your advice for somebody who's trying to get into this? Because I think it shifted a lot, right? Like yeah. you and I came up in the era of the quote unquote traditional media yeah. where you had to be with an outlet. Yeah. Now it's completely different. It's completely different. You have to be
2: willing to take a step sideways or st- step backwards in order to ever move forward. And that's what I tell people all the time. And no no event's too small. People ask me all the time, how do I become an MMA journalist and stuff? Reach out, find out who the closest regional scene is. Find out who's running it, offer to do it for free. I work so much for free in order to get in. There are so many times where I've struggled to make money just to continue the journey that I love. And if you truly love this, you will find a way. You have to be dogged, you have to be consistent. Consistency is key. If you're just trying to start a podcast or start a show and you do it once here and there and your audience does not know when to tune in and you're not consistent, they're going to fall off the map. You can never build it that way. So believe in yourself. Self-belief is huge. Have the confidence. Have the consistency and go out and just do it. And you can't be afraid. And sometimes you just don't see results. I remember the early days of the Triple C and Shmosher, and we're still growing this. I remember our producer is like, we're not we don't have enough subscribers and stuff like that. And I said, hold the phone here. Hold the phone here. If you build it, they will come. Mm. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to continue to grind, continue to show up. If your work is truly the best, people will watch. Yeah. As
0: Macho Man talked
2: about famously, the cream. The
0: cream. rises to the top. <sighs> you know, I think there's a lot of people that get into podcasting, for example, and they put out 12 episodes and they go, nobody's listening. And I always say to those people, how many people do you think were listening to Joe Rogan after 12 yes, episodes? Yes, exactly. How many people do you think were listening to Joe Rogan after 212 episodes? Right. And now here he is at 1,800 episodes, and it's a completely different story. Yeah. Because he, he did it, and we all do it, because you love it. And you, if you're not loving it, if you don't love every part of it, you need to stop right now. Oh, for
2: sure. And like, I didn't start having success in terms of the character and everything until I taught myself how to edit. I was so reluctant for years Mm. and learning the editing process. You have to learn everything. You have to be willing to swim in the muck. There's going to be great days. There's going to be shitty days. There's going to be things that you hate to do. But if you love what you're doing, as in you want to get somewhere, you're going to have to enjoy the process. You're going to have to embrace the
0: process, even the parts that you don't like. Yeah. Did you bring... Did I see you brought the Schmo glasses? I brought the Schmo glasses. Is this kind of like Clark Kent and Superman here? You know, uh, it's in terms of
2: what you're going to get if I put them on, yes.
0: Let's see what happens. I
2: mean, here's the glasses. I know you wanted me to bring them. I got them here. These are my Schmo glass lines. I did sell them. They will be back on sale soon. I just paused with the whole NFT thing, but... uh, What does a pair of Schmo glasses cost? I think I was selling them for $65. Wow. But... The, they, they were all custom. And they're all custom made. They they
0: actually have a purpose, too. What people don't realize is... Why don't you tell me this as the schmo? All right, why not?
2: All right, Chris. <laughs> what people don't realize is with these schmo glasses, they really help with bright lights. Bright lights, they can have a lot of glaring effects on your eyes, especially if you're looking at the screen or if you're cage side for an MMA event, for a boxing match. They help take all that excess light out. I hit the off button there. <laughs> the schmo's all over the place.
0: <laughs> oh, this is so good. I love what you do to your face when you become the schmo. All the facial characteristics. That's the Chris Farley's, man. The yes. John Belushi's. I, I studied those guys. The Mike Myers. Comedy's about what you can do with
2: your face. <laughs> the facial expressions. Sometimes when the schmo's interviewing the guest, he leans in there. Yeah. And he stares at the camera there. There's a lot of different things that the schmo study from these comedic legends over time.
0: <laughs> Okay, can you take the glasses off for a second? I have a very serious question that I want to end with. I've loved this, by the way. David, thank you. Schmo, thank you so much. Uh, I'm love. i all about gratitude, and I start and end every day saying out loud three things that I'm grateful for. So perhaps I'll ask you, and then I'll also ask the Schmo. Sure. What are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Most important is good health. Your health is your wealth. And just being healthy and
2: being active, being able to wake up each day and breathe and smell the fresh air. That's what I'm far most thankful for. Yeah. Secondly, I'm most thankful for my inner circle, uh, to my better half, Helen, to my supporting parents. My parents are my biggest fans, uh, my younger brother, uh, my immediate family, my close friends that always believe in me, even when I was struggling through the darkest days. They know who they are. I'm grateful for them. And then, most importantly, I'm just grateful for good human beings. Mm. Good human beings, the athletes I interview, the fans mm. that support yeah. everything I'm doing, And just people that are willing to show compassion show empathy to others and um you know make this world a better place because i feel like with all the noise in the social media and the situation we're in having the pandemic having the situation on russia i I don't talk politics by the way because immediately to me you talk politics that divides half your audience you'll never hear me talk about politics but i just think there's so much negativity in the world So I appreciate the people that go out of their way
0: to keep things positive. I just want to acknowledge you, like all of the hard work that you've put in to, for you as David, but also for you as the schmo, all the hard work that you've put in, it's it's all paying off. So I just want to acknowledge you for like all those things that you did for free or all those things where you were paying your own way to get there. It's all like paid off and it's all worth it. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. I appreciate it. I really do. And thank you for coming by. This has been so entertaining and also like so motivating. There's so many people that want to do what you're doing. And I think that when somebody can see somebody that is doing it and see somebody that is successful doing it, they can then reverse en- engineer their way back. And I'm willing to help anyone who's
2: willing to put in the work. Mm. But so many people say they want it, but how bad do they really want it? Yep. You have to be a dog.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, there we go, my friends. Big thank you to the Schmo for joining us in the Blue Wire Studios. Big thank you, of course, to you for being with us. You can check out Dave on social media at the Schmo312. And when you're done with this episode in like 40 seconds, check out his podcast, The Triple C and Schmo Show. He does it with UFC fighter Henry Cejudo. And share this episode with someone that you know will love this. Take a screenshot tag us on social media, let us know what stood out for you the most. And you know me. I love these stories of people who bet on themselves. They're just so inspiring and so encouraging to me. So I'm going to continue to bring these kinds of conversations to you from people of all different walks of life. I will leave you with this. I tweeted it out yesterday. It seemed to resonate with a lot of you. So I'll give it to you here as well. At any minute, someone can come along. And change your life. That person is you. Oh, yeah. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality